Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. The need for us to be looking for God to move in miraculous, supernatural ways is important to, to strengthening our faith, to recognize he's moving around us in ways that we don't expect. He's interrupting the natural around us if we just take a few minutes to, to recognize. Like, I don't have a hard time believing that Moses could raise his hands and that the Red Sea would part, right? But I do have a hard time believing that Lenny would, would that God would choose to do some kind of miraculous thing through him. But, but as I begin to study the power of the Holy Spirit and I begin to, to realize that it's the power of God in me, that it, that it opens the possibility that the Spirit in me could then do great things, not because I'm great, but because there's a Spirit in me. That, that is capable of doing great things. And like you just asked about, you know, where you found God in that moment. <laughs> Literally, even now, I just think about how precious our life is. Like seriously, when you go back to like the moment we take a breath on this earth is a miracle. God can, God can move, God can make this happen. God can move that mountain. And it's my responsibility to speak to those miracles, either on my behalf or on behalf of those who are around me. I believe that we'll see this mountain move. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are in the house. And good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. Thank you for making Crossroads your, your church home for this week. We love you and we appreciate you. And I just want to, you know, say that uh, I know that this is the, you know, the month that we start all, you know, vacations and things like that. And, and if, you're in the ha- if you're in town, be in the house. And if you're not, you know, if you're, you're traveling, watch online. Stay connected this summer because, again, it's everything Saint would want to do to get us uh, scattered even, uh, you know, even more. You know, th- I want you to think about something. I want you to think about when is the last time. This, this isn't a fun thing to think about, I'm warning you. Think about the last time you ever got offended. Maybe it was something that happened this week. Maybe it was something that happened on the way to church today. Maybe it was something that happened a few weeks ago, something like that. But let me ask you this question. How did you handle it when you had that opportunity to be offended? How did you get over it? Did you get over it? Is it something you're still stewing, something that's still going on in your, in your heart, something you're still, still dealing with? Because, you know, we're in a series on miracles, but one thing if you've noticed that not only are we talking about miracles and and hopefully uh, for those of you that maybe you're struggling right now or needing a miracle in whatever way, maybe you're grabbing hold of that in a a, a deeper way than ever before of of believing for a miracle and claiming that miracle and and, and resting in that miracle. Because even this week, I had so many people that just, this is a world that just batters you in so many ways and so many people need a miracle every single week. 
So if, uh, if that's you, I hope this, this series has been an encouragement. But also I want you to know this, that, that it seems like every time we talk about whatever subject it is, that, that it leads us to other subjects that we deal with every day, that issues that you and I deal with on a regular basis where we work and where we go to school and everything. And one of those that we're going to handle today is, is a, a huge one of that, and that's dealing with offenses. Because that's something that we all deal with on a regular, regular basis, right? And there's a, a, a person that, that Jesus had an opportunity to, to heal, her daughter, uh, but, but watch how she had an incredible opportunity to grab hold of a fence. We call her the Syrophoenician lady. And if you, you have your, your iPad or your, your phone or anything, or your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 7. We'll be starting with verse 25. And it says this, A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit. Imagine that. so easy for us to read that. Imagine having your little daughter possessed by an evil spirit. Came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let, me, uh, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Uh, who was the children that he was talking about? They're the Jews. Who was the dogs that he was talking about? It's anybody who wasn't a Jew, a Gentile. In other words, it was her and her family. And this is so unbelievably out of character for Jesus that he's got to be doing it with saying this with a twinkle in her eye, seeing if she will contend for a miracle. It's so out of, uh, you know, out of, uh, you know, out of character for Jesus. But how could she have responded? When he said this, how could she have responded? Couldn't she have said, dog... Who, who are you calling a dog? What do you mean to call me? What do you call, mean to, to call my family a, a dog? You know what? I am so unfriending you, right? I am, I am so ghosting you. I am so unfollowing you at this moment on. I'm going to tell everybody that you're a sham. I'm going to tell everybody you're a fake. I'm going to go out of my way to ruin you, Jesus. But that's not what she did, is it? In fact, she says this, if, uh, look, uh, look how she responded to Jesus instead. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table uh, eat the uh, children's crumbs. And Jesus' response to her, because of her response to him, was this. When he told her, uh, then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Don't miss that. Do you, think, do you think for a moment that if she would have responded and grabbed hold of the offense that she could have and nobody would have blamed her for grabbing hold of that offense? Do you think she would have received the miracle that Jesus offered her? Neither do I. And you know, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about a, a blind man who was healed and the way Jesus healed, he could have just said, be healed, right? He could have just laid hands on him, anything. But no, he uses spit and rubs it in his eyes and makes mud and rubs it in his eyes. And he could have been offended by that, right? I mean, somebody spit and use mud and rub it in your eyes, you could be, you could be totally offended by that. But he chose not to be offended either. And because of that, Jesus was able to heal him as well. It was, things happen when we don't pick up, pick up our offense. And here's the thing that I was not going to speak on this particular healing. I wasn't going to do that. But it felt like God was saying, I want you to speak on this. And I understand why. I understand because we live in such an incredibly offended culture right now, don't we? 
seems like everybody's offended at everything else and everybody's this and this this is offended at this and this group's this and this person this and all this it seems like we live in such an offended society you take a look at media and it didn't seem like too long ago they actually used to try to to you know to to talk to about what was happening around the world now it seems like their goal their mission is to pit this group against this group and this against this and that's what sells and that's what they're doing you look at social media and it is a petri dish right for for people airing their offenses one at the at the other you look at it seems like higher education not all but a lot of higher education it is raising up a group a a generation of offended people it looks like one group is always is raising up disciples to be offended at the other group and this group and this group in fact you take a look our country i don't know if you know this but our country has more lawyers by far than any other country in the world in fact by more than any other few countries in the world put together and more litigation and think about how much of that litigation is is dealing with people simply just being offended one with the other and you think of this that not only does it separate offense separate people it separates families it separates communities it separates churches it separates nations and something that we have to understand as Christians is not only does it do that and separate us from people but it also keeps us from being able to grab hold of the miraculous that God has for us we can either we have a choice we can either grab hold of the offense or keep the offense or we can watch God do the miraculous in our life we cannot do both of those things and we're going to take a, a look at that but something else is is this the um, insights into being offended we're going to have regular opportunities to be offended that's part of life we're going to have so many opportunities every day of our life to be offended at, at something you know why because we, if you're a human being doing doing life with other breathing human beings then you're going to find reasons to be offended you know why because they're not perfect they make mistakes they blow it they will do things to offend you but then also the flip side of that coin is we're human beings and everybody we associate with everybody we interact with we're going to blow it we're going to do stupid things as well and we're going to give other people very good opportunities to be offended with us as uh, as well jesus said this he promised that there would be offense he said it is impossible for offense not to come when he said it's going to happen offenses are going to happen but that doesn't mean we have to grab hold of them the opportunities to, are, to be offended are going to happen on a regular basis but we don't have to grab hold of it also that if we are, get offended we don't have to stay offended either a second thing is something else is, is that uh, we can get offended over real or imaginary things and tell me if I'm wrong with this you know what I'm talking about you online you know what I'm talking about with this is think about how many times in your life not if because it's happened but how many times in your life you heard somebody say something through the grapevine that they heard that somebody said about you or that somebody did to you or was going to do to you or anything and you got your nose bent out of joint you got all offended and everything only to find out it was all a misunderstanding only to find out that they were totally mistaken only to find out everything was completely blown out of proportion you've just had days ruined and you've you know you've thought the worst of people and all that or even this how many times have you have you imagined the whole thing 
You know, where you thought somebody, or you just thought, you know, I bet they're saying this. I bet they've done this. I bet the reason they did this was because of this. I bet, and you find out that you've made up the whole story, that none of it, none of it was, was, was real. I mean, and then, you know, Bobby told us a story that I thought was, was just a really powerful story, and he said this, that when he first became a Christian, and he was just coming out of a very non-Christian background, that somebody one time uh, pulled out in front of him and, and cut him off in a big way. And so he is, you know, showing the guy that he's number one with a different finger, right? He is saying words that I cannot repeat at this time. He's yelling, he's screaming at the guy, and the guy pulls over at the stoplight. He stops and gets out of his car. And Bobby is thinking, okay, you want to do this? You want to rumble? Let's rumble. We will do this. We will get on right now. Let's get it on. And he comes out, the person that comes out of the the car is an old man the old man has tears coming down his face and he says young man I'm so sorry I'm so sorry for cutting you off see I was on the way to the hospital to hear about my cancer screening and I wasn't thinking about what I was doing my mind was preoccupied and I'm so sorry for cutting you off and Bobby said it was a crossroads moment in his life where he just realized, man, sometimes I just go, I make up these imaginary things and I go out, uh, all these. And, and he said now he, he doesn't even honk his horn or yell things even when people in the car think he, he should do, do that because somebody does something. And, and it was one of those moments. But I wonder how many times that we imagine that, that or we, we make a big deal out of, out of nothing and we lose our peace and other people's peace around us because of that. And there are things that really are true, right? That we have not only imaginary, but there are true offenses. And there are big offenses and small offenses, aren't there? There are times that we get offended over very little things. We've, how many times have you ever gotten uh, offended over just somebody having a, a different opinion than you? Or how about getting offended for, for somebody that, that didn't treat you just the, the way you felt you should have been treated at, that, uh, at that, that moment? Or a simple misunderstanding or somebody doing something in traffic that they probably didn't even mean to, to do a lot of the time. And how many times do we get offended for, uh, for, for all those, those things? But then also there's big ones, right? There's big offenses. There are offenses that are huge. They really are. They're huge that somebody has offended us because they've abandoned us or because they have abused us, or because they stabbed us in the back, they threw us under the bus, they, you know, they, 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 they did all those things. So sometimes there's really big ones, and there's small ones, and there's everything in between, isn't there? But also the sting of the offense differs ba based on who has done the offending, right? I mean, if somebody on the streets just offends you, you probably get over it pretty quick. You know why? Because you didn't have much invested in that relationship. You didn't know them very well. You didn't, you didn't expect much from them. So the offense was only this high because, because the expectation and the relationship was only that high. Then there's other people that maybe you go to work with, maybe you're friends with, maybe you go to church with, something like this, that they've, they've offended you and you thought more of them, but, uh, but it offended you a little higher than before, but it wasn't still all that huge. But then there's other people that, that, that you love and you care about and you have a strong relationship with and maybe there's a member of your family, maybe it's somebody that you're, you know, you're married to or anything like this that they've offended you and it is huge, huge, huge because the expectation was so high and because the relationship is, uh, is so high. And the other thing is this, if we look for a reason to be offended, you'll find it every day of your life, won't you? If you're looking for a reason to be offended, you will find in life what you're looking for. 
If you're looking for good things in life, you're going to see those. If you're looking for bad things, you're going to see that. If you're looking for reasons to be offended, you're going to see that every single day of your, of your life. If you look for a reason to be offended at your spouse, you will find it every day that you live with them. If you are looking for a reason to be offended at your parents, you're going to find it every day. If you look for a reason to be offended at your children, you're going to find that every day. You're going to find reasons to be offended at coworkers every day. You're going to be re- find reasons to, to be offended if you come to church. In fact, you might be offended right now that I'm talking about being offended, right? I mean, we get offended at a lot of different things every day, a roommate, anything. Some people want to get offended. And you're going, wait a second. And you know what I'm talking about. You've met those people. I've met those people. It just seems like there are people who they love. They're always offended. They're always offended at somebody somehow. And I remember two people that I couldn't believe how insightful they were to their own offenses. One was a lady, and she said this. She said, Lowell, I'll be honest with you. I, I look for reasons to be offended at my husband. And I'm like, why would you possibly do, do that? She said, you know, I, I'm afraid of intimacy. I'm afraid of getting close to anybody. So every time I, my, my husband and I start to get close, I'll, I'll find something to be offended at so that, so that I can push him away, so that I can put up a wall there. I'm looking for reasons to be offended because of my own, my own hurt and my own pain. And there was another, a man that said this. He said, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. He said, I look for reasons to get offended at church. And I said, why would you do that? And he said, because if I get offended, it keeps me from having to get involved. And if, if the, the, as long as I stay offended, I don't have to get involved to, to any degree because there's always that offense. And, and you think about it, think about this. If we're always focusing on other people's offenses to us, we don't spend any time looking at our own offenses towards other people. And we don't deal with our own junk because we're so focused on everybody else's junk. And that's another, I think, a, a big strategy of the, of the enemy there. I think another thing is, uh, is how we handle offense tells a lot about our emotional and spiritual maturity, doesn't it? I remember one time, I'll never forget it, there was a, a little boy, little boy and little girl, brother and sister, and, and the, they're both playing, but the little boy does not see that he's holding something, and he accidentally whacks his sister. He's a little boy, he's totally oblivious that he just wiped her out, right? So what do you think she did? I mean, do you think she thought, oh, he didn't mean to? No, of course not. She went up, he's facing the other direction comes up and pushes him down off for whatever they were standing on at the time. Well, he's just now high, you know, just been totally offended. So he goes and it's bam, 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 bam. And they're pushing, they're shoving, they're screaming, they're crying, they're doing all this. And you expect it from little kids, right? Because they're immature, they're young, they're immature. That's the way little kids handle stuff like that. But what is it when, a, when an adult does that? When somebody, what is, it, what is it when we, somebody, what do we think about somebody when, when somebody does something to them and they have to lash out by something that they say or something that they write or, or something that they do or, or, a, a, or passive aggressive stuff, that, uh, aggressive stuff that they do behind somebody's back? What do we think about that? But what do we think if somebody has an opportunity to, to, to go after them and offend, you know, carry that offense, and they don't do that. What does that say about their maturity? The Bible says this, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking an offense. 
And anybody can hold on to an offense, can't they? Anybody. It doesn't take any maturity to hold on to an offense, to grab hold of an offense, to hold that. But it takes somebody who's, who's spiritually mature and, and emotionally mature to say, you know what, I'm not picking that up or I'm letting, or I'm letting that go. When we're offended, we can act stupid, can't we? Have you ever said something that you regretted because you were offended? Have you ever done something that you regretted because you were offended? Even, even King David, think of this, even King David, man after God's own heart, David, he once did, came this close to doing an unimaginable stupid thing because he got offended. There was a man by the name of Nabal. Nabal was an extremely wealthy, wealthy man, had a ton of goats, had a ton of, uh, of sheep, and things and and there was this unspoken thing that used to happen in those days where you'd have the shepherds keeping watch over the sheep and everything but then you'd have these people that would kind of guard them and make sure nothing happened to those those shepherds and this is what David did with a lot of people in those areas especially with Nabal and his men just made sure that nothing took nothing happened to Nabal's men but at the end what you kind of did is is these people who were guarded gave the guards kind of a tip at the end when the when the shearing had taken place or when the slaughtering had taken place and they just give him, hey, thanks for watching over us. Here's some food for you. Here's some, uh, here's some, you know, some wool for you. That's what they would do. So, so David's men had watched over them the whole the whole season, and David kind of said, hey, you know, Nabal, it's you know, it's if if you don't mind, you know, can you can you give us some food? We're hungry. And Nabal said, who in the world is David? Why in the world would we do this? And, and Nabal's men said, no, no, they were really great to us. They protected us all year. They watched over us. No harm came us the whole time they were watching over us. You need to give them something. And, they, and, and, and he said, I'm not giving them anything. I'm just, good gracious, why would I give them something that belongs to, to me? And when David heard that, it was, it was on at that moment. And he said, boys, strap on your swords. And he got his men, and they were on their way to kill Nabal and every man in the, that, was, that was under Nabal. I mean, think of this. He was ready to kill, to, to do mass murder because he got offended. That's how stupid we can be. And if it wasn't for, for his wife, Nabal's wife, Abigail, coming to the, the rescue at that moment, he would have done something unthinkable. We can do stupid things when we get offended. But also, grabbing and holding an offense will always hurt us. I want to say that again. If you grab hold of the offense that is there, if you hold on to an offense, it will always, always hurt you in, in life. Uh, the word for offense in the Greek is the word scandalon. And what it means literally is something that you fall over, that you, that you trip over. And it also means the bait. It is used for the bait that is used in a trap. Now think of this. Why would somebody put bait in a trap? It's to, be, to do one of two things. You either capture the animal or you destroy the animal. That's the only reason that you put that bait in there. And isn't that a great picture of what Satan wants to do when he puts an offense out there? He wants us to grab that offense for the purpose, for what purpose? So we can be captured, so we can be destroyed, so it can ruin every relationship that, that we have. And I want you to think about what it is to, to carry an offense, okay? And imagine this is carrying an offense okay offense here we go but think of it that that if i am offended that means i have to carry this thing wherever i go because I'm, I'm picking up an offense and i got to carry this i carry this into every relationship i have it poisons every relationship that i have and i want you to think what a pain this is i mean you know what a pain it is when you're carrying offense it it it's 
It's a heavy load, isn't it? It's a cloud wherever you go. It's a problem wherever you go. And, and the Bible says this. Listen to what it says. It says, first of all, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Again, every time we do this, we're not just defiling ourselves. We're not just, we're not just putting a, up a wall to the other person. I mean, we're defiling every relationship that we have. We're bringing that poison into our marriage, into our family, into, into our job, into our church, anywhere we go. And the other part of the Bible says this, an offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Understand this, when we are offended at somebody, we put up a wall not only for them, but we put up a wall wherever we go. Just part of our heart is taken, and part of our heart, we put up a wall wherever we go. And think of this, whenever we put up a wall, not only do we keep those people out, who do we keep in? We imprison ourselves every time that we carry an offense. We poison our things. We keep, our, uh, keep ourselves from enjoying life the way we would like to, and it ruins every part of our life. So what should we do? When we get offended, what should we do? How should we respond to an offense? First of all, realize where it comes from, that there is somebody who planted that, uh, that, uh, the, the poison there, the, the thing to, to grab. Somebody did that, and who did that? I mean, I want you to know this, that Satan has a goal for your life just like God has a goal for your life. Satan has a goal for your marriage just like God has a goal for your marriage. Satan has a, a, a goal for all your relationships just like God does. Satan has a goal for your family just like God does. God, Satan has a goal for this, this country this, uh, just, like, uh, just like God does. And I want you to think about that too is, is that, um, sorry, so he's got the, he's got the goal for, for there. And you know why? Because he loves this. He loves, he knows this, this reason. He knows that united we what? And divided we what? And this, this country is probably more divided than at any time in my, in my lifetime, maybe since the 1960s. And you know why he wants to do that? Why he wants to get this group against this group and this against that and this thing against this? Because he knows that united we stand and divided we fall. That's why every single time what his goal is is to put a wedge between you and somebody else. That's what an offense is. And if you grab hold of that offense, every time you grab hold of an offense, it is gonna put a wedge between you and somebody else. It's gonna put a wedge between us and, and other people in this, in this world that God called us to love and do, uh, and do life with. The second thing is, is see the offense in light of what's really important. Imagine there's a tornado coming towards your house, okay? There's a tornado coming towards your house, and, and you have a moment. You have a choice. At that moment, you can either grab the television set or you can grab your kids. What do you do? Now, I know probably some of you are going, it depends on the day, right? Am I my teenager? Someday I'm grabbing that TV and running with it. But here's the thing. Of course we're going to grab our kids. Why? Because kids are more important. Our children are more important than the TV set, Right? And, and let me ask you this question. Which is more important, that offense or your marriage? Which is more important, that offense or your friendships? Which is more important, that offense and keeping that offense or unity in the body of Christ? Which is more important, that whatever we could go on and on, that is always more important, whatever it is, that, that relationship that we're dividing is always more important than the offense and carrying the offense itself. 
refuse to take the bait too I mean if a, a fish is in a pond in a lake and all of a sudden there's going to be lures that come in right it's not the fish's fault that's, that's part of being a fish you're going to have lures that come that doesn't mean the fish has to grab the lure right and the same thing offenses are going to come every day of our life a chance to be offended the, ch- the thing is are we going to take that offense or are we going to let it go and another thing, just like David was the poster child for, for almost getting offended, he's the poster child for not getting offended too, for carrying up offense. There was this person uh, that, uh, named King Saul, and Saul would go after David. He knew that David was, the, was anointed to be the next king, so, so Saul in his jealousy went after and tried to kill David. Now imagine this. Imagine somebody trying to kill you. That's a pretty good reason to get offended at them, isn't it? And, and, and think of this setup that took place. All of a sudden, here comes uh, David and his men are in the back of a cave. And suddenly Saul comes in that same cave, that very same cave, to relieve himself. Okay? And David's men are going, now's your chance, bro. This is your chance, man. I mean, he's, God's laid him out in front of you in the silver platter. You can destroy your enemy. You can, you can grab hold of that offense. And David said, I'm not going to do it. If God wants to deal with this guy, God's going to deal with this guy. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to grab that offense. David had learned from the previous offense. Another thing is address the offense with the person who offended you. What's our tendency to do? Somebody offends us, our tendency is to talk to everybody else about the offense except the person that offended us, right? And God's saying, no, no, no. This is Matthew chapter 8. This is how we do relationship. Somebody offends you, you go to that person and you deal with that person, not everybody else. And if they don't do it, then you bring one other person and then the three of you talk it over. And God says this too. Jesus said, if you're at the, at the altar and you're giving a gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, you leave your gift at the altar and first you go make it right with that other person and then you come and give your gift at the altar. In other words, as Christians, we got it both ways. We, we have to, if, if we've offended somebody, we go to that person and we, we, we make it right. But if somebody has offended us, you know what we do? We go to that person and we make it right. At least do our part. We may not be able to make it right because it depends on two people. But we do our part. As far as it depends on you, the Bible says, live at peace with, uh, with everyone. And another thing is to shrug it off. I mean, think of it, a lot of it, what we need to do is we need to just have a little thicker skin, right? Because we live in this world that's saying the littlest thing should throw us off and get us offended on, it, on everybody else. And so, so, and think about how many times you've accidentally offended somebody by something you said. You didn't mean it. You didn't mean to say that, but they took offense at it. You didn't mean it there. And, and sometimes people are just going to do something and offend us. They didn't mean it. Some people do, but other people don't. And think about how many times you've cut at somebody off in traffic, and you've done something stupid in, in, in traffic, and, uh, and you didn't mean to. You just did something dumb. And the same way, think about how many times most of the people that do something stupid to us don't really mean anything by it. But what if they do? What if they do mean something by it? What do we do? I love the story. I've said this before, but I love this story. It's a story about a, an old mule that they were going to try to get rid of in a, in a village. So they said, you know what we'll do? We'll just do two, third, two birds with one stone. Let's throw him in the middle of the, the old well that's dry in the, uh, in the town. And then let's just cover him up and we can bury him in the old well. And so that's what they did. They put him about six or eight feet down there in the, in the well. And then they started put, uh, putting dirt on top of him. But you know what the old mule did? Every time dirt hit, 
He shrugged it off and he stepped up. He shrugged it off and he stepped up. And we can either be buried by those offenses and let them bury us, or we can shrug them off and we can step up into a new relationship. And something else is, is this. They refuse to be used as, as Satan's flying monkeys. And you know what I mean? Anybody that has seen uh, the Wizard of Oz knows that those flying monkeys were the, were the people that were actually used by the Wicked Witch to do her, her evil bidding. And every time, think of this, every time we pick up an offense, we are allowing Satan to do his evil bidding through us. The Bible says this, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the, the matter separates close friends. Every time we're offended, we have an option to be either promote love or to be an agent of division. And which one are we going to do? And finally, it's this, to choose to forgive. Understand this, forgiveness is not saying that what the person did wasn't offensive. That's not what, what, what forgiving is. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to be offended either. I want to tell some stories that's happening two decades after one of the worst atrocities, one of the worst genocides in the history of the world uh, happened. That happened in Rwanda, where one group, one tribe, the, the Hutus, were, were decimating another tribe called the, the Tutsis. And they killed, the Hutus killed over a million Tutsis, over a million. And most of the time, they hacked them up with machetes. Well, God is doing this amazing work in Rwanda right now with, with people, with the, the, the people, the attackers are asking forgiveness of the survivors. And the survivors are, are receiving, the, are, are offering forgiveness to them. And watch what it happens to the purse, to the attacker, Watch what it happens to the survivor, the, the, the joy that it's bringing them, the freedom that it's bringing them, and watch what is happening to the community as, as well. One group said, said this, one person, and here's the pictures of the actual people. I burned her house. I attacked her in order to kill her and her children, but God protected them, and they escaped. When I was released from jail, if I saw her, I would run and hide. Then I decided to ask her for forgiveness to have a good relationship with the person with whom you did evil deeds, we thank God. The survivor, who's pictured there as well, I used to hate him. When he came to my house and knelt down before me and asked for forgiveness, I was moved by his sincerity. Now if I cry for help, he's the one that comes to rescue me. And when I face any issue, I call, I call him. Another person, these other groups said this, that uh, this man was involved in the killing of this, uh, this lady's children. Even though she couldn't have known about my involvement, I told her what had happened. When she forgave me all the things in my heart that had made her uh, look at me like a wicked man faded away. And this lady, this beautiful lady said this, many among us had experienced the evils of war many times. And I was asking myself what I was created for. The eternal voice used to tell me, it is not fair to avenge your beloved one. It took time, but in the end we realized that we were all Rwandans. Maybe we need to hear that. The genocide was due to bad governance and set neighbors, brothers, and sisters against one another. Now you accept and you forgive. The person you, you have forgiven becomes a good neighbor. One feels peaceful and thinks well of the future. This man 
participated in killing this lady's son. He killed my son. Then he came to ask for forgiveness. I immediately granted it to him because I did not want uh, do it by myself. He did not do it by himself. He was ha haunted by the devil. I was pleased by the way he confessed the crime instead of keeping it in hiding because it hurts if someone keeps hiding a crime he committed against you. Before, when I had not yet granted forgiveness of him, he did not come close to me. I treated him like an enemy, enemy. but now I would rather treat him like he's my own child. Dominic said this. He and others chased her out of her house and, uh, and looted her house and left her homeless. Afterward, he came back with about 50 other people, asked for forgiveness, and they built her a new home. This is maybe a better way to, to deal with, with problems. She said this. I have started to feel better. I was like a dry stick. Now I feel peaceful in my heart and I can share this peace with my neighbors. I don't care what anybody's done to you. I doubt they've hacked up your loved one right in, in front of you. And these people are willing to, to forgive no matter what happened. You know what? For their sake, for the community's sake, for the other person's sake, for the world's sake, not because they deserve it, but because Jesus Christ has done the same thing for us and offered us forgiveness as well. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.